Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. In Genesis, the book of Genesis, we talk about why are we talking about Genesis in Christmas time? And I felt like God wanted to tie it together for us, understanding of what we are uh, experiencing this time of year, what we're celebrating, what we're honoring, and how it connects with the heart of heaven. In the very beginning, in Genesis, the book of beginnings, Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit had a plan. Their plan sounded like this. Let's create a physical world, and then we're going to create spiritual beings in our image and in our likeness. And then we're going to form a body out of the earth, a physical body, and we're going to put this created spirit inside that body. And then our plan is, our objective is, is that through relationship with this created being with us, we will cause this world to coordinate with and come in contact or come in agreement with the plans and the agenda of heaven so that this world will begin to become like heaven. That was his agenda. That was his goal in the beginning was to make heaven or make earth look like and act like and operate like heaven. God's design in the beginning was never for the earth to be an evil place that we would survive so that our goal was to get to heaven. His goal from the beginning was just to be with us. He just wanted to hang out with us. He wanted to dwell with us. So what he wanted to do is he said, I'm going to create an earth, and I want you to hang there. I want you to rule and reign there, and I want us to have such a relationship that we'll work together, you with me, me with you, and we will cause this earth to be like heaven. That was his plan. It only lasted a couple chapters in the Bible before that plan got usurped. And in Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to touch on just a few things, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here because I realize it can hijack the rest of the things I want to get into today. But In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God is saying, I want to be with you. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. So God's agenda was to dwell with us, but Satan's agenda was for to separate us from God. And in Genesis chapter 3, we have the account where even though God made the earth and everything was perfect, we got a garden, we got fruit, we got all this kind of great stuff. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Satan is always trying to disconnect us in our relationship with God. And here's the first thing that Satan came through the serpent and spoke in the beginning. He said, Is it true? You know, you guys haven't told me directly, but I've heard it through the grapevine here in the garden that... Is it true that God's told you that you can't eat of every tree? I mean, please, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it true that that you're living a limited, restricted life and not able to experience the freedom of doing whatever you want when you want? Is that true? Well, when you put it that way, this was the sales pitch of Satan in the beginning, and it's the sales pitch of Satan in 2021, getting ready to be 2022. He has not changed his agenda at all. It is to cause us to see a false perspective or image of God and paint him in a light that is not genuine and not actual. He wants to separate us from a relationship with him. So now he says, is it true that you can't eat of every tree? And look at uh, Eve says in verse 2, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, 
but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So here's what God said back in Genesis chapter 2. He said, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat of this one. You can freely eat of all the other trees. You can eat of any one you want. Just don't eat of this one because the day you eat of it, you will surely die. That's the word of God. That's what God said. But what does Satan do? Satan comes and said, you shall not surely die. You shall not surely die. Look what he says. He says, for God knows the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Here's the agenda of Satan again from the beginning and its agenda today. He said he comes to challenge or discredit the validity of the word of God in our life. People have the misconception that Satan's agenda is to get people to worship him. That is not his agenda. That's too obvious. No one would fall for that. That's, if, if he would come to you and just said, hey, I want you to worship me and say you worship the devil. Most people would not fall for that bag of tricks. They would not fall for that. They're like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. That's wrong. So he doesn't come to get us to worship him. He comes to get us to where we don't believe what God says is actually true. He comes to question the validity of the word of God. He, sa he says, you're not surely going to die. He says, in other words, he was saying, God doesn't mean that literally. When God said you would die the day that you ate the fruit, he didn't mean that literally. What he meant was more figurative, and this is what's happening in our world today. People that are calling themselves intelligent are saying that we should not take the Bible literally nowadays. That we, in our enlightened culture, should look at the Bible through the lens of our culture and interpret it into a modern-day definition that God doesn't mean it literally. He's just making suggestions that we need to modify according to our modern social experience. So when we don't take the Bible or what God says literally, now it opens it up to our interpretation that you and I can make it mean what we want it to mean. I can make it say all kinds of things so that I feel better about doing what I want to do when I want to do it and how I want to do it. This is the move in the earth today where it's even happening in the church where even pastors are teaching. Now listen, we don't take the Bible literally. We just got to run it through the filter of our modern culture and realize there are certain things that need to, and I'm just telling you that's not the truth of the word of God. God meant it literally, do not eat the fruit in the beginning, and he still means it literally today that what he says is true. That's, it, that's his plan. So now, your eyes will be opened so I, I want to fast forward through some of this. You can read this chapter. You know, they go ahead and they eat of it, and uh, they did die spiritually, separated from God. They begin to hide from the presence of God, and they, uh, God comes, calls them out, says, hey, where are you at? What's, got, what's happening? And they said, you know, we're hiding from you, God, because we were naked, so we hid ourselves. God says, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree which I command you not to eat? Well, yeah, so verse 12 the man said, well, you see, what, 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 what happened was, is the woman, the woman that you gave me. Remember, remember I, remember I was fine all by myself and you said it wasn't good for a man to be alone and you gave me that woman? Well, it was her. She, she gave me the tree of the tree and I ate it. You know, I, I was helpless. It wasn't my fault. It was and the Lord God said to the woman, well, what, what is this that you've done? And she, she said, well, you know, you, see, what happened was, was, was that, that serpent that you made, 
that you created and allowed to be in the garden, that, that you did not stop from tempting me. That serpent, he deceived me. So everybody's pointing the finger at someone else, blaming someone else for their decisions. I know that doesn't apply in 2021, but it was very relevant back here in the Bible days. How about anybody taking ownership for their own mess? Say, nobody made me make that choice. I made that choice. Mm. So the Lord said to the serpent, he addresses the serpent specifically, and he says, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go. So the serpent in the beginning was not on his belly. Evidently, it was walking around at some point, whether it's all fours, upright, the Bible doesn't say. It just says, now on your belly you shall go. You shall eat dust all the days of your life. Eat my dust, devil. Verse 15, I added that part. And verse 15, and here's what he said. I will put enmity, he's still talking to the serpent. I will put enmity or hatred or hostility, animosity between you, the serpent, and the woman. He's not talking to the man. He's talking to the woman. You need to understand there's some reason, there's a valid reason why he's addressing the woman or he's comparing the serpent to the woman here. Between you and the woman. Between your seed and her seed. What he's saying to the serpent is, you know this woman, this wonderful creation of mine, this wonderful woman that I created that you deceived? Because you deceived her, through that same woman, I'm going to bring the seed that's going to redeem all of mankind and redeem this whole situation. What you meant for destruction, I'm going to use the same beautiful woman to bring redemption into my world. So those that want to blame the woman say, well, it's the woman's fault. Well, if the woman gets the fault in the beginning, the woman also gets the credit in the redemption. It all goes to God and all glory to God. But he's saying, devil, you cannot curse what I have blessed. You've tried to, to uh, skew this creation situation, but I've got a seed coming. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he says, here's what's going to happen. This is the first presentation of the gospel of Jesus. And he says, there's going to be your seed, the offspring of Satan, anyone who agrees with his agenda, and her seed. Her seed, capital S. There's coming a seed through the woman. So from the beginning, God begins to declare into the earth, there's coming a seed from the woman. It's not going to be the seed of a man because man is corrupt. It's going to be a holy seed. It's going to be a holy seed inside of a woman, not contaminated by mankind, not contaminated by a man, but the offspring of God and woman together. I'm going to bring you seed. Is it, are you saying, are you saying God doesn't like men? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God was cutting off the curse of the seed of mankind and he was redeeming it with the holy seed of the Holy Spirit. So he says, here's what's going to happen. Your, your seed, the, the woman of the, the, the seed of the woman that comes out of the woman, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here's what that word bruise means. That word bruise means to crush with downward pressure. It's, he's saying the seed that's going to come from this woman is going to crush your head, serpent. You're going to bruise his heel. 
You're going to hurt him. You're going to hurt him. But you're going to hurt his foot, and he's going to crush your head. His will hurt him temporarily. Yours will destroy you. What he's going to do is going to destroy you. So the seed is coming. The seed's coming. So what does that mean for us? Let's go to Luke chapter 1. God begins to say from the very beginning that a seed is coming. A seed is coming. Look at your neighbor and say, a seed's coming. A seed's coming. What is that seed? What is that seed? Who is this seed? It's capital S. Who's this seed that's going to crush the serpent? We're talking about God being with us and being a dwelling place. God from the beginning wanted to hang out with us, wanted to be with us. The serpent came and messed it up. We agreed with him. Here's what happens. God wants to dwell with us every single day. When we agree with what the serpent says, it messes up that relationship and it messes up the experience of everything that God comes to give you. God dwelling in your life is beautiful. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It comes with difficulties. It comes with struggles. It comes with opposition. But he is wonderful. It is your best life. We use a phrase, Lord, I'm living my best life. You are not living your best life if you're living without Jesus. You're not living your best life. You're living a life maybe, but it's not the best life, the life of Jesus. So in Luke chapter 21, I want to bring this in to the Christmas story that God wanted to dwell with us in the beginning, but Satan messed it up through the serpent. So God says, I'm going to redeem this whole thing through my seed that will come through the woman. Now in the sixth month, in verse 26, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city, city of Galilee named Nazareth, small town, much like North City, I'm sure. It was a very small population, smaller than North City, as a matter of fact. City of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Notice who the angel came to. The angel, angel came to a virgin, betrothed to a man. Betrothed to a man means that she was promised to a man, engaged to a man, was not married, but just promised to. And notice the condition of this woman. She was still a virgin. What does that mean? That means that God wanted to come and bring his seed into a pure vessel. It wanted to make sure and, and uh, emphasize that this was not a woman that had ever been with a man, so what was going to be in her was going to be deemed impossible. The entire story of a virgin birth is impossible. Everything that we believe in, the entire faith that we're, why we're in church is based on the story of God himself coming and impregnating a woman and being birthed through a woman. It's impossible. It's impossible. Can't happen. Can't happen. We serve a God of the impossible. We serve a God of the impossible. It's time to move out of churchianity, which is just TED Talks to make you feel about doing better at work and realizing we serve a God of the impossible. Yes. Impossible. That we can face impossible situation and God with us makes it now possible. That we can believe for impossible situations to turn around. Why? Because we have the God of the impossible who's working with us. Yeah. Mm, I get ahead of myself. But he comes to her and says, hey, you know... Uh, Verse 28, he come, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Everybody say with you. with you. 
If the Lord is with you, who can be against you? Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. He's talking to Mary. Remember at this time, Mary is between 13 and 15 years old, most historians believe. 13 and 15 years old. And you get an angel, Gabriel, that comes and speaks to you and says, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. What would be your response? Here was hers. But when she saw him, she was troubled. That means in modern day vernacular, she was freaking out. She was wigging out. She was, you get the point. She was troubled at his saying. I would be a little more troubled at his appearing than I was his saying. But that's just me. She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. In other words, what in the world is going on? Why is an angel talking to me? Why is he saying I'm highly favored? I'm just a teenage girl. Why is he saying the Lord is with me? And why am I blessed among women? What is going on? Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Here's a common theme of what we hear of a message from heaven. Whenever heaven uh, speaks or interacts with humanity all through the Bible, one of the most common things that's said is either fear not or do not be afraid. That tells me that from God's perspective, we should never give in to fear. He was saying to her, Mary, what I'm telling you, I know it's freaking you out, but don't be afraid. He didn't say, don't feel fear. He said, just don't be afraid. There's a difference. I can only imagine as a 14-year-old girl that he comes and speaks to me, I'm going to have a little trepidation. I'm going to be a little nervous. I could feel some fear coming on. He said, fear coming you is not the problem. Becoming afraid is the problem. I come to you and I said, why can you not be afraid? Because the Lord is with you. And you found favor with God. I'm not afraid. We, can, we got to make sure that we're not afraid because of the absence of what's coming against us. We're not afraid because who's with us while we're walking through what we're walking through. I'm not afraid because I only... So, oh, i keep it in English. I, I'm... I'm <laughs> thank you, Jesus. We, we, how can we not be afraid sometimes? We cannot be afraid sometimes, not because we don't have struggles. We just have, we cannot be afraid sometimes because I look and I see who's with me. And if you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because the Lord is with me. He's with me. We're, we're not asking people to not, God's never asking us to not be afraid because we never have challenging news. He just says, when you have challenging news, let your eyes be focused on me. Look up where your help comes from. Keep your eyes looking on Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, come on. So, behold, here's what he says. Here's the news. Behold, young teenager, young virgin, here's what I'm going to let you know is going to happen. You will conceive in your womb. You will become pregnant. And you will bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. Son of the highest, not son of Joseph, son of the highest. 
And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, um, yeah, see, how can this be since I do not know a man? In the natural, she's saying, angel, I'm picking up what you're throwing down about this being great and son of the highest, you know, throne of Father David. Yeah, that's awesome. He'll reign over the house of Jacob. Kingdom will be no end. Amen. That's awesome. Fantastic. But can we back up a little bit and go back to how I'm going to conceive in my womb? How am I, how am I going to get pregnant since I do not know? Notice what she says. How can this be what you're telling me, what God is saying to me, how can this be since I do not know? Here's the, here's the application for us in modern day. When God speaks something into our heart, we're going to have the temptation of asking this question to God, how can this be since I don't know how? The word that God speaks into my heart will always be challenged by what I can figure out. Just because I don't know doesn't mean it can't be. She said, how can this be? I don't know. Well, I think that's an honest question. She, she's hearing something that is actually impossible. You're telling me. I just want to make sure I'm clear. You're telling me. So that's, that's what you're saying. I'm going to get pregnant, not from a man, even though I know how it happens in the natural. Went to health class. I understand how that works, but you're telling me you're going to do it a different way and not the way that I understand. So... How can that way that I don't understand come to pass when I only know this way? Is this connecting with anybody? See, there's going to be times in your life that you're going to face things that you're only going to know one way that it can happen or one way that it can't happen. And God's wanting to tell you and me there is another way. There is a way. There is a way. So how, how can this be? I, I don't know. Maybe you're saying this. I know I say this to God all the time. He tells me something. I'm Lord, how can that be? I don't know. I don't, when I don't know. He said, I didn't ask you to know. I asked you to believe. I didn't ask you to know. I didn't ask you to figure it out, Chad. I just asked you to believe what I said. Well, Lord, how could this happen? How can my marriage change? How can my finances change? How can my kid change? How, how can this be since I don't know how? It's called believing the power of God's word. And let him do what you can't do. Insert your this in your Bible. You should write in your Bible. How can this be? Under where that word this is, I want you to write in there or maybe on your piece of paper, write in your this that you're facing right now. What is your this that you need to insert there that you're saying, God, how can this be? Because I don't know what to do from here. Here's the answer, verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, here's how it can be. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. (laughs) Come, Lord. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the power of the highest. Where's the power from? It's the highest power. 
The power of the highest will overshadow you. Somebody say overshadow. It will overshadow you. The word overshadow here means in Webster's Dictionary to exceed in importance or to outweigh. So he's saying, Mary, I know you have some fears. I know you have some concerns. I know you have some issues about this promise, but, and, and you're not sure how it's going to happen. But he's telling you, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the power of the highest will outweigh you. The power of God will outweigh all of my fears, all of my confusion, all of my misunderstanding, all of the opposition that says in the natural, this can't be. The power of the highest will outweigh it. I'm telling you, the power of the highest wants to tip the scales in the favor of God. That there are impossible things that we're going to face. Why am I yelling? get excited about it. I don't realize it until I'm like, wow, that was a lot. The power of the highest. I can't do it. I can't do it. See, the, when, when God comes, there, I've, I've, got, I've got fears. I've got insecurities. I've got impossibilities. I've got bills. I've got relationships. I, whatever that I can't see it happen, they're, they're weighing this down. But when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us, it outweighs those things and says, God can do anything. Like you don't understand my family. You don't understand what I'm up against. You don't understand what they're doing and what they've done to me and what I'm facing at work. You don't understand my children and how far away they are. You don't understand my diagnosis and what the doctor said. The power of the highest outweighs everything that's in this part. It's going to outweigh it. It's going to outweigh it. It's going to overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Wasn't it beautiful seeing all those kids gather around that manger in the video? And he starts to stir Mary's faith in verse 36. He says, now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, she's also conceived a son in her old age where they said it was impossible. Here's the power of the testimony. This is why we like to give testimonies because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And the word testimony in the Hebrew literally means he will do it again. So Mary's saying, how can this be? I'm so young. I'm too young. I'm a virgin. I can't be pregnant. God said, okay, well, let me give you a testimony of a person who's too old. That if I did it on this end of the spectrum, I can do it on this end of the spectrum. Which is harder to believe, that I can make an older woman pregnant or I can make a young woman pregnant? Which one's harder for you to believe? Let me give you an example. I can take someone that they said there's no way, they're too old, they're barren, and make them pregnant so I can also cause you to be pregnant without a human being. Stirring up her faith. For verse 37, for with God nothing will be impossible. For with God, everybody say with God. With God, God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. Here's what that word with means. Means in the midst of, among, connected to, surrendered to, yielded to, in conjunction with. With God, connected to God, in relationship with God, agreeing with God. You and God, with God. The two of you together, nothing will be impossible. What does that mean? 
That means without God. So here's my life. Here's the power of the highest. When we come together, nothing is impossible. But my life on my own, all kinds of things are impossible. But when I get with God and connect with him and invite him into my life and into my situation, say, God, I can't do it without you. But with you, nothing is impossible. But I got to be with him. So what does it mean to be with him? Here's the gospel that I feel like God is speaking to our hearts. What's happening in our culture, in churchianity, and we've been addressing churchianity, and the reason why we're doing it is because the heart of heaven, I think, is to remind us that it's not just about coming into a church building. People have been satisfied with religion so long that we've embraced the system that we created to help us feel better about ourselves. We've created a system where we feel good as long as I go into a building for a service and I go on about my business the rest of the week. I went to church, therefore I'm a good person. That is a worldly system that is not the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said being with God involves that I give him my life and if I love him, I obey his commandments. Jesus said, if you say you love me and you do not keep my commandments, you are a liar. That's not to be harsh, that's to be clear. There's a difference of being harsh and being clear. So what we did, we thought there were three categories of humanity. Here are the three categories that we thought happened in society. There are these people that are radically religious, on fire for God, over the top, excessive. Everything's about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Religious freaks, fanatics. Then we had this category over here. These are the Satan worshipers, the demonic people, evil people, all the badness, whatever. We'll just throw it in this category over here. And then there's this middle category. This middle, middle category is all the rest of the quote-unquote normal people. We're good people. We don't hurt anybody. Go to church. Nice, kind. We're not weird and wacky like those people. And we're definitely not like those people. We're just right here in the middle. In the kingdom of heaven, let me just be clear, that these two groups go together. There's only two categories. On love, on love, on fire, in love with Jesus or not? Well, where's the church category? I just want to fit into the church category that I, I'm a good person. I go to church. I just, I just want to live like the world and act like the world. Let me tell you about carrying the presence of God real quickly. When you, I, I've seen this because my wife's been pregnant five times. It's beautiful, glowing, lovely. When she became pregnant, when she was, became pregnant with something else, it affected her. It changed her. An example. I used to wear this cologne. She loved it. Oh, man. Oh, man. 
You know. Oh, man. She, oh, she bought it for me. She loved it. It was like, man, you smell so good. One child, I can't remember which one it was. It was early. It was one of the first two. She came one day and she said, oh, Lord, you can't wear that anymore. Like, what, are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Oh, oh, oh. I'm like, hey, hey, that's a little excessive. She's like, I'm serious, I'm gagging. You can't wear that anymore. It changed her. All of a sudden, certain foods that she used to like, all of a sudden she didn't like them anymore. And she started craving other foods. Mike's like, when did you like that? I don't know, but I love it now. Here's my problem. Here's my problem. My issue is with people who say they're impregnated with the presence of God, but they have never changed their tastes. They never changed their appetites. They still smell like everybody else. They still eat like everybody else. There should be something you're impregnated with that changes you on the outside. It should impact your life. I don't like the things I used to like. I don't want to go where I used to go. I I don't want to watch what I want to watch. Why? Because something's on the inside of me and it changed me. When you get pregnant, all of a sudden, everything in your life changes to accommodate that. Come on, ladies, help us. We have no idea what we're talking about, but I've seen it from afar. But now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, things you used to do, you don't do anymore. You're careful. What you eat, what you drink, everything is in mind. It's mindful of what's on the inside of you. You, you don't play football. You don't ride the roller coaster. You don't play soccer. Why? Because you're protecting. I'm pregnant with something that's more valuable than what I prefer to do right now. Oh, Jesus. Oh, come on. Come on. I, I, I got some desires. I got some preferences of what I want to do, but something in me is more important than that. I will set that aside for the sake of this which is precious to me. I say, how can we call ourselves Christians when everything out here takes precedent over what is in here? God is asking, will you allow me to come and be with you and be in you? Now be ready, be ready for the invitation. He, he asked Mary, he said, Mary, um, can I come live in, inside of you? That's what he's really saying. It was God asking Mary if it was okay for him to dwell in her. She's like, yeah, son of the highest throne of David. Love it all. Yeah, come on in. And Jesus said, well, wait, 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 wait. But before you say yes, you're a teenager. It's got a great reputation in the community. Everybody thinks you're straight-laced and goody two-shoes. Never done anything wrong. Everybody respects you. Everybody talks about how Mary, oh, Mary, Mary, wonderful Mary. The moment you allow me to come to live on the inside of you, you're going to lose friends, family members. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to accuse you of doing things that you didn't do. Are you willing to let me live on the inside of you if it costs you your reputation? 
Are you willing to let me live on the inside of you if it causes you to not be invited to those parties anymore? Are you willing to let me live on the inside of you if all of your friends abandon you and mock you and when you walk down the street, they turn the other way so as not to look at you? Because they say, there goes the girl who says she's pregnant by God. Will you invite the Lord to live in you if it costs you everything? Your own husband-to-be says, I'm going to put you away quietly. I'm going to divorce you until he's visited by an angel. So here's the question. Will you let me come live with you? And here's what she said. Verse 38, and I'll close. She says, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I believe she could have just speculating obviously, but she could have laid out her, left, stretched out her hands and said, Lord, yeah, I'm willing to take all of that. Come, let it be to me according to what you said. I'll take the shame, I'll take the ridicule, I'll take the mockery, I'll take all of it because, because I believe her, her affection was not on the shame, the mockery, and the ridicule. Her affection was on the son of the highest. Her, her affection went to the throne of David. That one that's going to come through me is going to be greater. The Prince of Peace, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That of their, his kingdom there will be no end. She set her gaze on that and because of that she was willing to endure the rest. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.